This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7 with me. Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And uh, this is the National Signing Day edition of Dogs uh, of, of the Junkyard Dogcast. Uh, it's uh, the early signing period has is still going on, but Georgia kind of went ahead and took care of business on the first day, 20 signees. Uh, we're we're going to talk about what's left. We're going to talk about the guys we expect the most from in this class, the, the the underrated guys in this class, give our overall impressions, and then hang on to the very end of the show because uh, got a little bit about a, about Georgia player in the transfer portal. Don't want to give too much away here early on, but stick around with us till the very end because uh, we're going to be throwing it to Rusty, who's got some information on that. But Rusty, I'm going to start with you too, and uh, just overall impression of this class, man. What when when you just kind of broad strokes. What do you think of it? Boxes checked. And I know there wasn't a ton of drama. I know they missed on some guys uh, on signing day. And I think we pretty much laid out the entire time that Mason Smith and Corey Foreman would be long shots at the end. We never really in, insinuated that we felt like they were going to get them. We knew that George was recruiting those kids pretty hard. Uh, but I kept saying I, I have to see it to believe it to get somebody like Mason Smith out of uh, Louisiana. You know, he signed with LSU. You look at uh, Corey Foreman. We don't know who he signed with. Everybody will find out January the 2nd. But I think the one that, that uh, you know, we, we pretty much laid out Xavier Sawyer. We thought he was going to end up at Georgia, and he did. But Diamond Edwards was the one that we, um, in, in particular me, they kept saying, I think Georgia's got a little better chance than most people think. And I knew they were having weekly Zooms uh, with Georgia. I'm sure they were doing it with everybody. But I knew at least one person in his circle was definitely pro-Georgia. And I know that l- a couple of weeks ago, they had to fill out a bunch of paperwork, a bunch of paperwork uh, to get admitted to Georgia, to get all that stuff done. That is not an easy task. And – I knew right then when I found out they had filed uh, that paperwork that Georgia was certainly a real option for them. And the more, you know, I kind of trusted the industry. You know, as it got closer, talked to a lot of people, a lot of guys, uh, Steve Wolfong, everybody, and, you know, putting pieces of the puzzle together kind of felt like Michigan at the end. But I know that he and his family and Del McGee, at least Del McGee, had a long talk on Tuesday night. They asked more specific questions about some things. And, you know, sooner or later, you got to make a decision. So ultimately, he picked Michigan. Man, I tell you what, that had to be the coldest looking press conference I've ever seen ever. Um, you know, when he announced Michigan. So if he can handle that weather, 
yeah, he's made, he's cut out for that that kind of weather. He's used to it. So uh, really, that really I think there was much drama, and Georgia finished up. And they got spots left, and I certainly think that Georgia is going to go after some premium guys at premium positions. Uh, you know, and, and we got to find out what's going to happen in the secondary, all those other things. But at the end of the day, had I shown our board that class in March or even in June that a group hugged, everybody had been hugging. Everybody would have been getting along. Uh, that was a tremendous class. I think I said on the radio last night, I think the only real – Real miss, I think they missed, was Barrett Carter. I think he's an absolute superstar NFL first-round draft pick. Other than that, man, they answered a lot of questions, I think, on some some spots, specifically O-line, inside linebacker. Still got still got a five-star smile, Munden. And I think defensive back, they went out and got some guys, and they had to finish with Nylon Green, and they did that. Yeah, uh, you know, when, when you look at this overall class, you know, I, I kind of tend to look at outside linebacker because they signed one last year. They've got one guy that you know is going to play outside linebacker in the current class. Uh, you know, I think hanging on to Elijah Judy makes things look a little bit different, but looks looks like Texas A&M for him. Uh, Dallas Turner was a guy they were kind of trending for early in the process. And, and you got to think, you know, losing James Coley, cost of doing business, how it works in, in, in college football, uh, probably hurt Georgia a little bit for him too in terms of the Florida connections and, and things of that nature. Alabama gets some Turner, ends up being a five-star prospect. So they, you know, I, I think outside linebacker could have been beefed up a little bit. Uh, but that's the only real area where I look at you know, you see what Georgia's done the past two classes at receiver. You can kind of understand maybe taking a shot at some high upside guys. I think they got a tight end in Brock Bowers, who was so quiet after he committed, but so talented and and a potential matchup problem there. So yep. there's a there there were a lot of there are a lot of needs met in this class, and I think the one the one area where Georgia really needed to hit a home run in this class, and right now the ball's still in the air and it's headed toward the wall. Was was uh, was outside linebacker. We'll see if he gets called at the warning track or not, and and a lot of that's going to depend on where Xavier Sori kind of fits and finds a home. Um, but but that's that's kind of the way I look at it from a need standpoint. Kip, what uh, broad strokes, man? What you got? Well, I, this doesn't really say a lot overall about the class, but I think it just st- stands out to me. Last year's class, Georgia went national. I mean, it was coast to coast. They're still recruiting coast to coast. But lo and behold, the state of Georgia. I mean, the top three prospects in the state of Georgia, six of the top ten. And honestly, you know, Lavasia Carroll, he's a Georgia kid. So in my opinion, I put him in the state of Georgia. I'm, I, I make that move myself just because of IMG Academy. I mean, those kids come from all over the country. Honestly, it's really eight of the top 13 kids in the state of Georgia that they reel it in this cycle. And I think that you know, that kind of stands out to me just that, hey, you know, Kirby is not against local guys if they're the best guys. I don't think he really pays much attention to the borders, but he's going to utilize location if it gets him one of the better players, you know, in the country. That's his mindset, talent acquisition. And overall, like we said, the the whole cycle, that this was not going to be a class that it was likely not going to be 25 guys in this class. And right now, them being at 20 guys, potentially maybe if they can get Terry and Arnold, who's expected to decide in February, the four-star safety. 
uh, from down in Florida and Tallahassee. I mean, that, that would put him at 21. But otherwise, like we said, he's going to save those spots for transfers because, you know, people ask, you know, yesterday throughout the day, will Georgia make a move on this guy? Will Georgia make a move on this guy? Those, those final spots you have to kind of weigh is getting this next guy better for our roster than potentially what is in the transfer portal. And especially the, the, the next couple of months, the guys that are going to be in there are, are guys that can immediately upgrade your roster with them likely being able to be – I mean, if they're eligible immediately, I mean, that's a game changer. And I, I think he, he kind of hinted at that in this his, uh, signing day press conference. I mean, he talked about needing a DB. That was a clear pitch to Terry and Arnold. And then he talked about defensive tackle, and he said that might not be a high school kid. That might be somebody that we get another avenue. And he's clearly talking about that transfer portal right there. So I think it was clear that those final spots were, you know, a different value was placed on those, and he wanted to save those for for transfers. But as you guys said, Dallas Turner, obviously the the big miss in in this cycle, in my opinion. They, you know, they tried – if you're going to lose to a program in recruiting, I mean, more often than not, it's, it's going to be a program like Alabama. I mean, they, they cleaned up yesterday. But if you really look at the, you know, the per recruit average, which is what I always try to pay attention to, I mean, Georgia's right there. Uh, you know, they, they, I think it's, it's a, a great job by Kirby Smart and his coaching staff just dealing with a very different year. Georgia's strength has always been – you know, in-person contact, on-campus visits, allowing Athens to sell itself. And this was a cycle where Athens wasn't able – I mean, the program wasn't able to sell itself as far as getting most guys on campus. So I thought they did a really good job in that avenue. And, and I think that, you know, they're, they're set up really well. And like you guys mentioned Brock Bowers, I mean, that guy's really set up to be, be a monster in Athens. And I, I love that pickup. Obviously, you talk about – things kind of going quiet after he committed. Well, he wasn't able to play football out there in California, so that's why we didn't hear a lot about him. Uh, Otherwise, you know, we'd probably be writing about him every other week and putting up highlight clips. Several guys in Georgia's class weren't able to have a senior season. You know, we didn't get evaluations, further evaluations on these guys. No All-American games that were able to evaluate either. So, I mean, there's a chance a couple of these guys might, you know, outplay their ranking when all is said and done. And that's what you hope for. That's definitely what you hope for, especially with guys like Adonis Mitchell and uh, and uh, Jared Wilson and some of those guys they got. Kip, I want to bring up something that that you just talked about about the in-state guys. Top three players in state, two premium positions, quarterback and offensive tackle. Got Brock Vandegrift and uh, Amarius Mims, and then you also feel probably in just just in sheer numbers, you probably filled your biggest need in this class, which was inside linebacker after not signing anybody else, uh, anybody at that position last year, Georgia went out and got smile Munden. So, um, and, and then, you know, you look at the overall class, I think 11 players from the peach state. Uh, if you put uh, Marlon Dean, who's from Elbert County, uh, Elberton, Georgia, and then you put Lavasia Carroll, who's from Warrington, uh, then you look at it there and Georgia got probably 13 guys from the peach state, 13 out of 20. Definitely not bad. Xavier Sori, a, a, a guy close to the border down there. I believe he's originally from Niceville, if I'm not mistaken, which is in that kind of in the panhandle there. Uh, I'm not sure about my guy's geography yeah, here, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I was yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, it was down in that area. So uh, big get there. Uh, I think the world of him, man. I think he's a superstar. You know, one of the, I caught myself yesterday, Rusty, watching Xavier and Sorry basketball huddle and just kind of watching him oh, yeah. hoop it up. Oh, and, yeah. and gosh, he's an athlete. Yep. Kirby Smart. I think it was Graceville. It's right there. Graceville. Yeah, You're right. right Graceville. Right yeah, right there in that panhandle area uh, where he's from. And uh, yeah, man, he's an athlete. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a dude. I mean, I, I, I would be, I would be surprised if he's not a very, very productive player at University of Georgia. All right, let, let's look at this because I, I think folks really enjoy th this type of stuff. But, uh, Rusty, going to start with you. Give me the guy you expect the most from. I, you know, it's, it's hard to project stardom on a kid because if this class turns out and, and Georgia has, you know, 17 guys in this class that become key members on offense and defense maybe they don't have a thousand yard season rushing or receiving or or maybe brock you know vandergriff doesn't win you know what isn't a first team all sec guy or, or whatever but these all all these guys end up being just really good football players at georgia and end up going on to the nfl maybe they're not stars at high school i mean sorry stars at georgia but the guy you expect the most from and then the guy you think's underrated um that's a great question. Obviously, you have to start at a quarterback position because of, you know, the the, the projections and drafts and all that kind of stuff and, and where he could end up. But I, physical, you know, physical traits, what God-given ability, that type of thing, it's hard for me, and I don't know how he's going to end up as far as a player, but I'll tell you that Amarius Mims is walking in there with a 1% body, the 1% of athletes look like this in his position. It's a premium position. It's a position that he could be number one. He could be the number one draft pick and there. He could be a top two or three draft pick. So I think walking in as far as ultimate, uh, you know, huge ceiling, I, I think Amarius Mims is, he's still got a long way to go. But I'll tell you this. He's walking in, and if he leaves the University of Georgia a very polished player and continues to develop, then he's he's what I call that private school ranking. His kids are going to go to private school. I'll just I'll put it out there because he's he's going to get paid a lot of money to protect the blind side of an NFL franchise guy, barring any type of injury, that type of thing. Um, I think Jared Wilson's a guy. I think Jared Wilson's a guy that's very underrated. Uh, you know, he committed to Georgia, then decommitted to, uh, you know, committed to North Carolina, and, and, and then Matt Luke was able to get him back. And I think, you know, he kind of – because there wasn't a whole lot of drama around him, but when you watch tape and people that really like to watch, uh, you know, tape on those guys, especially those offensive linemen, I mean, he's a guy that moves people out of the box against their will. And ultimately, that's what it's about, the line of scrimmage, is to take another man – and move him somewhere that he does not want to go. And Jared Wilson is explosive in his hips. He comes, you know, Jake, the old term coming out of your hips is a good thing as an offensive lineman. And he can strike. Uh, and he's, he's, he's got a lot of punch to him. And he's got some Solomon Kinley to him. You know, that's how Solomon was really, really strong, uh, could move bodies in the run game. And I think Jared Wilson, as a three-star, is that underrated guy for me in this class. 
I'd never project and you know say, hey, I think he's going to be this good. But he he kind of gives me some chance Warmack vibes sure. a little bit. Like he doesn't have a, you know, you mentioned Amarius Mims and, uh, you know, three grown men talking about high school kids' bodies and whatnot. I, I, it's what you end that's up doing. What, you know, yes, yeah, what you end up doing when you start talking recruiting. Jared Wilson's not the, you know, not the, uh, he's not an Adonis. You know, he's he's kind of a he's kind of a round mound of man. You know, and but at the same time, like you watch him move, and he's an athlete. And that I, I saw some, you know, some Chance Warmax, some Tyrone Crowder who played at Clemson. I, I definitely remember going up there and visiting him whenever he was a recruit because Georgia was on him. Uh, I got to give Kip some credit on this though because he sent me this Instagram post from Georgia football, and I, I figured I'd go ahead and point this out. Um, so they just a little short one sentence bio on these guys, Georgia from Instagram when they announced oh, Jared uh, Wilson. Jared likes video games and hanging with the boys. His mom is a single mom of four very large boys. So I, I just thought that was a really interesting bio note there that uh, apparently Jared Wilson's mom's got her hands full feeding her four kids uh, because there's some big old boys in that group. But I nobody, agree with you. On nobody's that nobody's happier to get him off the meal plan at her house than, than mom is. Absolutely. She's going to let East Campus Village uh, foot that bill and uh, uh, more power to her because he's definitely going to eat well there, get him involved in a in a training table, food program, whatever at Georgia. And um, I, I actually agree with that. I've got another one, thank goodness, since you stole it from me. But uh, but I, I definitely agree on Jared Wilson. I think it says a lot that you had one offensive line coach, Sam Pittman, who has found some diamonds in the rough. I mean, you look at Solomon Kinley, you look at Justin Schaefer. He goes after Jared Wilson, one of the early commits in the class. He decommits, goes to North, commits to North Carolina. Matt Luke stays on him, gets him back, and that to me says a lot. When when you've kind of got that consensus, but, but from the last two offensive line coaches and Kirby. Brought him up specifically as a guy they really liked when he spoke to us yesterday. Uh, Kip, underrated guy and the guy you expect the most from in this class. I'll start with the guy I expect the most from. And, and honestly, it's Brock Bowers. You know, we mentioned him earlier. A guy that 6'3", 225 pounds. A guy that tested off the charts over a year ago, 4'5", 5'40". You know, had a 40-inch vertical. And really, that's the one – I mean, when we look at Georgia's offense. They're always talking about opening it up and, and you know, spreading the ball out. The, the tight end is that annual position where it seems like the fan base is like, why aren't we using the tight end? You know, get the ball to the tight end. I mean, they got some weapons there, but, you know, they don't have a guy like Brock. They, they just don't right now. A guy that just can stretch the field, is a natural pass catcher, and – I mean, he has documented athleticism. His film, though, I mean, he's he's versatile. He's got some toughness to it for, you know, for being a California boy. And he's very intelligent from everyone I spoke to. Uh, you know, they, they, they rave about just his intelligence, his, his instincts, and his ability to, to dive into a playbook. So you just look at that position. I mean, they haven't really had a prolific tight end. You know, Jake, you and I talked about this today. I mean, you know, Orson Charles is kind of the, the guy I thought of as the last guy to really put up big numbers. Um, you mentioned Leonard Pope as, as being probably the best guy to really play the position uh, at, at Georgia. But I, I think Brock has a chance to really come in and, and give them a 500 yards, you know, five touchdowns a year kind of guy for multiple years. And it's just that aspect of the offense 
really you, you haven't seen that at Georgia yet. And if I mean, knowing what the production they get out of their tailbacks, knowing what they have, you know, at quarterback now, and as you guys said with Brock Vandergriff coming in, the offensive line, uh, to be able to to really get a playmaker at the tight end position, I mean that that would open everything else up and just make them that much harder to defend. So I think Brock gives them that. I know I'm putting them all, you know, a lot of expectations for him, but that's, that's Georgia recruiting. These guys come in with these expectations. And, and I just think that he's got a chance to, to put up big numbers in Georgia's offense and, and maybe be one of those, you know, maybe the most prolific tight end Georgia's had, you know, if he plays three or four years there, is able to earn a starting job. He's got that kind of ability to be an all-conference player. You know I mean, you look at guys like Kyle Pitts at Florida, guys that, again, can make their quarterbacks look good and become that go-to pass catcher. He can be that guy for Georgia. And I'm going to kind of stick, you know, similar position pass catching. The guy I think is underrated is the lowest-rated guy in Georgia's commitment group, Jackson Meeks, uh, out of Phoenix City, Alabama, Central High School. Just a guy that, again – we, we've seen guys, if they can come in and, and you know, beat the injury bug, they can they can be big-time playmakers in Georgia's offense. And we've seen Javon Wims. You know, when Lawrence Cager was healthy, he was the go-to guy when he was there. I think Jackson Meeks is, is kind of a similar player. He's had some injury issues. If he can get healthy, he can be really good for Georgia. Had an outstanding senior season, again, when he was on the field. He had 53 catches for 812 yards and 11 touchdowns. And it's outstanding production, over 15 yards a catch. Uh, I think he's a guy that, again, flew under the radar this year. No camps, not really an opportunity to perform in front of coaching staffs. I, I think that once his senior film got out those first couple of games, he immediately became – on the SEC radar, Ole Miss jumped in, Georgia jumped in. I think Georgia got a good one there. And I think Jackson Meeks has a chance to to really get into that rotation. And I, I love the way he attacks the football. He's a smooth player. No real idea on verified speed. But, again, on film, he looks like he's fast enough to, to get some separation. And I think he's got a lot of talent. Like I said, if he can stay healthy, he can be a big-time playmaker. And Georgia's offense that appears to be – more and more wide receiver friendly every game we get to see. And mom got him a new set of wheels. Uh, I sent that video to Kip. I, I just thought she was emotional. I didn't realize she'd bought him a new car. I didn't realize she bought him an Impala. But uh, got him a new set of wheels, so congrats to him. I, I, I got a new set of wheels, I think, when I was 17 or 18, too. Ended up wrecking it. But uh, that that's always exciting as well. Uh, but I like Jackson Meeks. Um, I, I kind of worried about that injury history a little bit, to be honest with you. I, my most underrated player is A.D. Mitchell. And and I, I've liked this kid ever since, you know, he became a part of, of – just became a possibility to Georgia. And then he commits. And we I think we talked about him on a podcast. And 6'3", perfect wide receiver frame. I think he runs well. He shows some suddenness that's a little atypical of big, big wide receivers like that. I was talking with Terrence Edwards about him, and and Terrence was kind of like, "Man, this this cat runs after the catch." I mean, this, this this is you know a lot of these big receivers, they don't make a lot of plays, make make guys miss and break tackles and things of that nature so much, and 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 do things after the catch. But he does, and and I, I think Mitchell is a very good player. And I think that, that, you know, obviously Ole Miss was on him and they wanted him. Um, 
George got him from Ole Miss. Auburn was also wanted him, and Auburn hasn't done a great job of developing receivers, but Auburn has done a really good job of evaluating receivers, I feel like, over the years. They've gotten some guys you know, past six, seven years in that offense that, again, they haven't really come along when they got to Auburn, but they, they, were, they were good players when they got them, and they found a way to use them and, and get them involved in the offense. And, you know, I, I just think – I think – I really don't know how to pronounce his first name. I don't want to sit here and butcher it. I think it's Adani or Adoni or whatever. It's Adani, but, correct. Adani, Adani. So, Adani Mitchell, my guy for the most underrated guy in this class. And I'm not letting Brock, Brock Vandegrift off the hook, man. I, I mean, I, I expect a lot from him because I like small school guys. I'm a small school guy. And – you know, I, I didn't go on to do anything really, but become a, you know, a kind of a, a half, you know, I was, I was, yeah, I'll go ahead and say that, but a half-ass sports writer, celebrity. you know? Uh, what's that, Rusty? Celebrity. <laughs> I, I came over here and became like a kind of a hack sports writer. Uh, but but I, I like small school guys. And if you look at the history of Georgia football, a lot of elite players came from small school football. Boss Bailey, Champ Bailey, Nick Chubb didn't play at a really big high school and definitely didn't play a ton of competition up there where he was at. Um, Garrison Hurst, Herschel Walker. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of guys that played in smaller school ball, didn't play the best competition week in and week out. But listen, the raw tools are there. Um, you know, like Steve Wiltfong said on our board today, he was the number one guy on Oklahoma's board. Oklahoma had him committed and then Georgia got him. Oklahoma does a pretty decent job of uh, of evaluating quarterbacks, and uh, I think Brock Vandegrift is, is a stud. I really do. And and the thing I like about him is he's got some of that true blue football player in him as well. Like he's not, yeah, he's he's got some polish to him. He's done the camps and he's probably done the private quarterback coach stuff and all that. But he's six three, two hundred five, two hundred ten pounds, however big he is, and you just get the impression that. All right, well, let's say, you know, let's say you get early in preseason camp and and you need, you know, you need to do something. You need to got to play scout team linebacker or something. You're not going to do that with him, but he could and he could do it pretty well. He's a really good athlete and he's a big physical football player. And and Kirby talked about it yesterday about eighth, ninth grade, 10th grade, wherever it was, maybe it was ninth grade, him covering kickoffs and things of that nature. And, you know, I'll throw Nylon Green in there as well as a guy that I'm just super high on. And, and I'm super high on him for a lot of the reasons Rusty mentioned on the podcast when he committed. He does a lot of stuff. I mean, he plays offense, plays defense, plays special teams. You know, I did a, I did a report card today, and the special teams aspect came up. And while Georgia didn't officially sign, I know they're going to have some walk-ons in the special teams realm. Those guys aren't signed, locked in to the class. And if, you know, somebody came along with a full ride, they could probably lure, you know, maybe be able to lure them away. So I didn't bring those guys up. But Nyland Green's the guy that can help you on special teams, punt returner, covering punts, uh, covering kicks. Uh, heck, you may need him long snap. He's done that too. So be the fastest long snapper in the country. Uh, so, you know, Georgia's got, Georgia got a really good player in Nyland Green, and I think he's a guy that can help him in a million different ways. Wouldn't surprise me if he ended up playing all three positions in the secondary before his career's over and playing them at a high level. Let's jump into a break here real quick. We're going to talk about what's left in this class, and then we're also going to throw it to Rusty and let him talk about uh, a guy that's in the transfer portal right now, a little bit of, little bit of intrigue around that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, Rusty, what's left, man? What can Georgia do uh, to, to finish off this class? Or is it basically looking at the portal from here on out? I, I, you know, Terry and Arnold's a guy that's going to be – they're going to have a spot for Terry and Arnold uh, if they can get him the um, very highly rated safety out of Tallahassee area. Um, obviously – a guy that they have recruited for a while and so much reminds me of Richard LeCount, just a, a pretty energetic vocal guy that, you know, loves the game, does a lot of workouts, those types of things. But um, the um, portal is definitely going to be big. I think the portal is going to be, uh, they're going to go get positions they need and, or try to get positions they need. Guys, we're about to embark on something that none of us have ever touched, and that's going to be free agency in college football. So there's going to be rumors. There's going to be kids moving here, kids moving there. It's going – I mean, I don't know what – you know, how all this is going to play out, but we're going to be chasing a lot of rumors for sure at some point from different players. And I would be surprised if Georgia doesn't lose one or two. have no clue who that could be, but odds are they'll lose one or two. But Georgia – allows themselves to have some flexibility by saving some spots, and we'll see how that plays out. I'll tell you what, two aspects to that transfer thing that I'm really interested to find out. One, what's the SEC going to do? Because if the NCAA says, all right, one-time transfer for everybody and you're eligible right away, well, then the SEC can still block that, and Kirby Smart brought that up. The SEC can still force a player to establish a year residency for playing, basically set out a year. Um, so I'm interested to see that. And I'm also, also interested to see this. They're going to vote on it next month. But it's supposed to take effect on August 1st. Now, they gave a blanket waiver for the 2021, for the 2020 and 2021 uh, 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 athletic year for baseball, women's basketball, basketball, whatever, for those, pe- for those players in those sports to be able to transfer and play right away for, for this academic, for this, I'm sorry, this athletic year. Um, now, so a precedent has been set for blanket waiver. Are they going to do the same for the people who transferred before August 1st or, or those people still have to live by the old rule, old rules? I'm not 100% sure how that's going to work because, you know, I, I'm not so sure. I, I'm with you, Rusty. I'm, I'm 100% with you on it. It's definitely going to change some things. And it's a whole new, it's going to be a whole new world with people being able to transfer. But I'm not so sure it's, it's going to affect this offseason. I think it probably will. I think there's going to be something there, maybe retroactive, or you know, maybe they don't get their, maybe everybody gets an eligibility waiver on August the first, whenever the rule comes into effect. I don't really know, but that's kind of the gap in this. There's a gap that needs to be bridged there if guys, if people are going to be eligible to play right away 
um, who, who decide to transfer in January, February, March, because some are going to go after spring practice once they find out where they're out on the depth chart and get an idea of what's going on and who's there and who's not. And you know, Georgia's going to have 15, 16 early enrollees, so you may have some guys that come right in, very talented guys, pass a guy, and then somebody says, all right, I'm gone, and then there you are. Uh, but but I'm not so sure that guy's going to get to play right away because, again, the, the, the rule is supposed to take effect on August the 1st, 2021. Maybe they change that when the Division One Council votes on it next month. Uh, but but that's something I'm definitely interested to see. Kip, uh, you mentioned Terry and Arnold. Do you think there's anybody else that may be out there? What do you think the odds are that that maybe a target emerges, like a, maybe a lad McConkey who, who kind of came out of nowhere last year and ended up in Georgia's class? The second I say it, the opposite's going to happen. But I, I, I think Taryn Arnold is the is kind of the focus. Not, is, not you, man. Not you. You, you've been money this year. You've been money. So, so just go ahead and know. say it. It's, you say I, it. It's going to happen. I think there's a difference between player of the game and and recruiting, though. I think the chances of being right in something is as as stone cold as stone fast as that are slim. I, I think that you know there, there there might be some guys that kind of slip through the cracks, and you know if. If Georgia can get some guys in, you know, maybe on, uh, you know, walk-on scholarships that normally they can't. But as far as scholarships, I just think that, again, like we said, those last couple of spots are just really, really, really uh, valuable right now. So I, I think, you know, in my opinion, they, they filled enough of the needs looking at the guys that are kind of left right now. You go all in on Terry and Arnold and you, you hit that transfer portal hard, man. You, you don't know what – you don't even have a – strong idea maybe at this point of, of what you might lose so i just until the ncaa changes that rule and allows you to replace a transfer out with a transfer in georgia's got to have those spots ready because i mean you could have five six seven more guys leave you know at this point and there's a finite number of initial transfers that you can have come in right now and i'm under the impression right now that Georgia has five total spots regardless. So if they get Taryn Arnold, that's four. And I mean, if they don't again, that, yeah, that's five, but I, that's my impression right now. And it might not be as exciting, you know, as people want to hear, but just, just like signing day. I mean, it's, you don't need drama to have a successful off season. And I think that if you're Georgia, you know that you have a lot of, Think guys coming back potentially on this roster you're set up to be really competitive next year and every spot matters right now you just got to see what's going to happen which guys are coming back which guys are leaving early for the draft and if they're going to give you that transfer portal if you're going to make these guys immediately eligible you have to be prepared for that and i, I just think that's what kirby smart's going to do because i don't think there's really a coach in the country that manages the roster like he does obviously Nick Saban, you're not – I mean, he's he's truly special as a head coach and as a recruiter. I just think that Kirby is always looking for the best way to fill out that roster, and I think that's what he's preparing for right now. I'll tell you one thing that's going to help those uh, – hurt those guys that, you know, maybe you've got a South Alabama and a uh, um, Georgia State offer or whatever, but one thing that's going to hurt those guys maybe keep a, a big team from getting on them is the fact these coaches aren't going to be on the road. So instead of walking down the halls of a high school on January 18th and Kirby Smart sees a dude like Daquan Hawkins Muckle, like Jeremy Pruitt did Daquan Hawkins Muckle several, several years ago, he sees him he's like, who is that? And, 
you know, you find out, well, he's got some half decent film and man, I'm standing beside him right now and he's six, five and he's 295 pounds and these guys don't grow on trees. You know, sometimes they'll take a late flyer on a guy like that. Uh, but the fact that they're not going to be in those high schools, they're not going to be walking those halls. They're not going to be seeing those guys, uh, seeing, uh, shoot, maybe dozens of them a day like that is probably going to keep, you know, do as much to keep that from happening as, as George is trying to save spots because, you know, you know, they like to take a shot at maybe a developmental guy late in the class. And they did it with a few guys last year. And, and, uh, it, it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it hasn't really panned out for them yet, but that's why they're developmental guys. Uh, Rusty, Jermaine Johnson. All right. So I think the news shocked everybody. And when I say everybody, I don't mean everybody on this web, uh, everybody that's covering this, covering dogs 24 seven for us and on this podcast, everybody. All right. A lot of people that Jermaine Johnson, it came down several days ago that he was going to transfer. All right. Still hasn't put his name in the transfer portal. What are you hearing? Um, <clears throat> what you do is you fill out your paperwork to request to go into the portal. When you turn it into the school, it takes 48 hours and your name goes into the portal. So what they do is the school will receive it and it gives you that cool off time, whatever happens. And if two days later you still say you want to go in the portal, then you go in the portal. So from my understanding, he may have filled out the initial paperwork, but he never, he had that paperwork um, not submitted is what I'm trying to say. So as of today, you know, when we're recording this on Thursday night, he is not in the portal. It doesn't mean he, he will not go in the portal, but there's definitely some conversations going on there with Jermaine Johnson, Georgia staff, and understandably, you know, probably with his playing time, he's, his dad's made several interviews and uh, spoke about some things. But, you know, from our end, we're trying to report what we know and, you know, what we know is right now he's not in the portal. Definitely some discussions could possibly stay. Maybe he goes, but, you know, the fact right now he's not in the portal, which means he's not getting recruited by other schools legally. Uh, he is he is um, certainly a member of the team as they get, uh, get ready to go home for a few days and come back for practice, but uh, that's kind of the latest. He definitely did not go into the portal officially. I'll tell you what, uh, he's got the rare three-way go. Here, uh, if he does get in the portal, he can transfer. He can stay at Georgia. He can go to the NFL. And you know, I I think he'll be a draft pick. I, I mean, I, I I've you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I I had the weekly Jermaine Johnson th post going up there every week, and uh, he's got five sacks this year. They've got him for four at places like CFB Stats. It's because for some reason they credited Jalen Johnson with a sack, a, a wide receiver with a sack against South Carolina, but it belonged to Jermaine Johnson. Um, and, you know, he had a sack in all five games, first five games coming back from injury. He missed the Tennessee and the Auburn game, but had one in each of those games, five, uh, five sacks and 144 snaps this year. That's impressive. Um, I've, I've always kind of had high expectations for him, and, and he's definitely the way you draw up an edge rusher, defensive end, outside linebacker. And I think if he were to – if he were – Georgia staff was able to coax him into coming back, that's massive for next season. That is massive, especially when you think about the fact that Georgia could lose three cornerbacks because that pass rush definitely 
helps those guys out. And uh, we'll see how that plays out, and we'll definitely have it covered for you over at Dogs 24-7. But Georgia ranked number three in the country in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. Uh, got a chance to stay there. Will absolutely stay there if they're able to get Terry and Arnold in the, uh, in the, at the traditional national signing day. And we'll see how that plays out, too. Uh, but for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you all take it easy. Yes, Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.